A widower stages a mock film audition in order to find a new girlfriend. Amazingly, this super fucked up dating game causes him to meet the cute, unassuming Asami, the girl of his dreams in every possible way. But as the relationship deepens, Asami turns out to be unlike any girl he's ever known, and not in a good way. She's insane, murderous, torturous, and she's chosen him as her next victim in what critics have called one of the most disturbing movies ever made and a tentpole of Japanese horror cinema, 1999's Audition. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And you are listening to Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, listeners. Welcome to our first Japanese horror film on this podcast. Certainly not our last. Oh, no. Nobody knows how to disturb the absolute holy fuck out of moviegoers quite like the Japanese. (laughs) And and few Japanese directors are as good at doing that as Takashi Miike. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed last week's retrospective on The Shining and everything the Filmgasm team has accomplished in the past year. Definitely one of our most personal and enjoyable episodes to record, though we did have a brief snag where we thought we'd lost the entire recording. Yeah, that was kind of scary. Yeah. It was over a two-hour episode. After we were done recording, Connor just looked at me like, <laughs> he was sweating. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, I, we might have just lost Yeah, that. Our whole. audio software started going on the fritz. We didn't really know what to do. So apart from that minor heart attack, last week's sesh, pretty good. Hell yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Also, hope you enjoyed Friday's episode on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Another great film. Yeah, so much fun. I mean, I, I still like, even though we've talked about it for like about an hour and I got all my thoughts out there, it's just like, ah, there's still a few things I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that movie's amazing. You know, The Shining and that, that was a special week, I, I would say. And uh, I think the caliber of films that we're going to be doing in the next is going to be different for our listeners. Yes. We'll talk more about that next week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just uh, th- this week's going to be a definite, a uh, little bit more of a wake up call. And I do want to throw out a disclaimer: we're going to be talking about some nasty, nasty stuff Whew. this week. Nasty yeah. stuff. If you don't like hearing about dissections and cutting and piercing and all that torture stuff, if you don't like that, you don't have to listen. I mean, on this podcast so far, we've covered The Exorcist, yes. The Shining, yes. Silence of the Lambs, yes. Saw, Serpent in the Rainbow, some fucked up shit. Midsommar. Midsommar. But Hereditary. Th- but yeah. this, this is a whole new level. Way, di- way different. Yeah. So if you're squeamish, you might want to skip this week. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. I, would, I totally understand. It's not, and, yeah. and if you want to go watch it, they're both, uh, this movie is on Shudder. Yeah. Uh, audition is right now. If you want to go watch it and then come listen to it, maybe... Um, I, I, yeah, I just I, I think that's something we should do. It's what's fair. It's the yeah, disclaimer. I agree. These are the words we're going to be using just by talking about it, by just describing the plot. You're going to hear some disgusting things. Yes. And if you don't like that, then yeah, you know, so yeah. be it. Sorry, but you know, with foreign horror, there's certain there's a lot more leeway with what they're about, allowed to get away with. Yeah, we're talking about Takashi Miike. Yeah, we're talking about the infamous the guy who goes there. Yeah, he's the one that like Tarantino's like shit. You know, he does stuff that I can't even do. <laughs> Uh, you know, our, our man Bong Joon-ho looks up to him very, very, you know, because he, because he has his own style. Oh, yes. Like 100%. He does not compromise no. the vision ever. No, he still hasn't made a movie in Hollywood because he just doesn't, that's not his style. Like, no. going through a whole, the whole production thing, that's just not his thing. He's a director. 
Yeah. Give me a script and let's go. No suit's going to tell him how to dictate no. his film. No, he's yeah. And he's, while I respect that, the the uh, <coughs> product a little bit fucked up. Of course, <laughs> yeah. Not something I don't know if I'd want to watch again. Okay, that's, I think that's actually a good place to start with Takashi Miike. Yeah, because this is obviously, like you said, this is the first Japanese film we've done here on Filmgasm. First BK film we've talked about. Do you like his stuff so far? What you've seen? I've so you've seen three. I've seen three. Yeah, and me too. We've he, both seen the same three too. Yes, and I gotta say yes. Yes, me I too. do. I me like too. his stuff. Me too. But I hate that I like his stuff. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to find the. I'm learning things about myself as I watch his movies that where I'm like, I am really sickened by this, but I am going to keep watching this. Like I can't look away. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, ugh. Like, <laughs> almost itching for like the next, like, what's the next weird thing that's going to happen? How, wait, how's he going to top that? <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that's why here in America, because this just doesn't happen in horror films. Horror films are much more, because you have to go through that production system and you, you got to talk to the suits about how, well, there's a ghost and that's what's happening. And there's like a reason for everything. And, you know, it's like going to be easy yeah. for the, the audience to digest. Well, Takashi Miike stuff. No, yeah. sir. You know, there's some American productions, mostly indie productions that a 24 go to a dark fucking place. Yeah. Neon and a 24, I would say are like really pushing that, you know, cause they, they did parasite, yeah. but and, it's rare in America. Yeah. And it's like the lighthouse. Yeah. Which I love to death. And I love the like weirdness and, I'm just so desensitized with those things, but this I'm not desensitized to because I haven't seen it yet. Exactly. Yeah. And that is like, I think as a movie, when you see so many movies, you're like, wow, I felt something new. I kind of want that again. Yeah. Not going to lie. Well, that's why we're branching out into other countries, film culture stuff. Yeah. We're finding that, you know, realization of, Oh, this is something I've never stepped in before. Let's see. Let's go. Let's go here. Yeah. Go to this door. Yeah. I would compare it to personally. I remember when I first got into like European soccer, like club play. And I was like, this is so foreign, you know? Yeah. This, this is way different than American sports. The way they do it, it doesn't stop. Soccer doesn't stop. I'm hearing British commentators, you know, it's just, this is different. And it became like addicting. And that's kind of how I feel about movies is I'm always searching for something. That's going to be something I haven't seen before. Uh, I also am definitely a sucker for stuff. I like, so yeah. I'm, con- I'm constantly watching like, you know, really intense dramas and, and horror movies. But this, yeah, this is like these, these movies that we're going to be talking about this week. And uh, the, the other one we have seen, we won't spoil what our um, bonus is going to be, but the other one we've both seen is 13 Assassins. Yes. One of the best movies of the decade, in my opinion, like yeah. one of the top 20 movies of the decade. Just unbelievable. Like, yeah. And that was the first thing I saw, and I didn't quite know. Me who too. He, I didn't quite know who he was. My brother yeah. was like, "Dude, this is just a badass, you know, martial arts shit, yeah. you know, just fucking off the wall stuff." And it is. It's amazing. Yeah. But it, you know, slowly I've been opened up to this, yeah, to, to the Japanese cinema through this really famous guy, this worldwide famous guy. Yeah. Who, like I said, like has influenced you know the Tarantinos and stuff, and that's he's 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 on my radar one hundred percent now. Oh yeah. And I'm, I, I know we probably want to break. <laughs> After watching these, you know, like consecutively, because uh, it, it takes you to a dark place for sure. Mm-hmm. But man, I want more. If you're if you know anything about the career of Takashi Miike, you know exactly what our bonus is for a Friday episode is going to be. Most likely, we'll get to that at the end. But <laughs> most if, likely, if, if this guy's on your radar at all, you know what it's going to. Yeah, be. and if he's not, then you know this will be interesting for you. <laughs> yeah, this will be pretty interesting. <laughs> I I I really just don't think you. If you haven't seen them, you don't need to listen. It's okay. 
We totally understand. <laughs> Go watch the films, man. They're wild. Yeah, they're wild. This is this is gonna be the most uh, out. Yeah, most out there film we've done by far. Yeah, for sure. But in many ways, this is just the first step on a much larger journey. Yeah, of way more fucked up shit. Just that branching we'll be out, yeah. checking out in the future. Well, so. I, I know you know our uh, one of our compadres, uh, Josh, is just a goddamn encyclopedia for this stuff. Yes, and so I remember whenever I was watching these Mike movies preparing for this podcast, and I was like, man, I'm just stuck in this world. And I had texted all three of you guys. We had sent in the group text. I was like, hey, Josh, do you have imprint, or do you know how I can get it? And he's a guy on it. And I was like, <laughs> this is my guy. Because I was reading about imprint. Imprint is like a, not a full-length film. It's more of a short that's just was apparently too fucked up for American viewers back when it came out. I think it was 2006. So, yeah. Our boy, our boy Josh has it, is going to send it to us on DVD. Uh, can't wait to watch that. Apparently, it's like one of the most fucked up things that Mike did. Jeez, uh, that's saying something. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Exactly. So, yeah, when I read all that stuff about which movies of his have been like banned, you know, and there's there's, there's a, lot, a lot of them. <laughs> Actually, like all of them, somewhere they're banned, you know? It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like that. That kind of like reputation is, is like, it's impressive. It's almost like badass. You're like, you're like that gang member who's like, oh, I just don't want to fuck that. Guy. He's kind of like Kira from, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> if people don't know, they have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's fun. <laughs> so before we get too into it, we've got two updates for you on the rewind today. Oh yeah. One on bonus episode nine, Hocus Pocus. Oh. And another personal update on episode fifty-six, The Invisible Man. Okay. First up, director Adam Shankman, director of The Pacifier, Hairspray, Bedtime Stories, Rock of Ages, and What Men Want, has signed on to direct Hocus Pocus 2 for Disney+. It's being billed as a sequel, and Disney is hoping they can tempt Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy and Jimmy to reprise their roles as the Sanderson sisters. And Jesus, could they get a guy with a worse track record? <laughs> yeah, and... Oh my God. And... No, no, can we leave that one alone? Nope. Not in this, not in this day and age. <sighs> yeah, see, I get the, uh, you want to make every animated hit into a live action, fine, do that. I think it's really, really lazy with, with the amount of resources that Disney has. That's what you're doing? <laughs> like, oh, okay. I just don't understand it. But then this, like, mm, this is like a cult movie. Can we leave that one alone? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, that's ours. Can we leave that one alone? I would be cool if it was a better director. I mean, God. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm still like, shush, I just don't, I just make something new. Fuck. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's just going to be, that's always going to be my, my mindset. It's, it's going to be weird. We're going to see the Sanderson sisters try to use an iPhone or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a weird. I'm not ready for that. Yeah. That shit belongs in the nineties. So yeah. much. So hard. Yeah. It works. Yeah. We'll see. It might not ever happen. Might be one of those pipe dream things. Yeah. Fan I just wouldn't be, I'm not surprised by anything they do, like rehashing or remaking. Yeah. Because it seems like they're doing every single title that they've done before. Yes. They're like, we need to retain our rights to it and we need to make a, you know, a billion dollars. So. Oh, I don't think retaining the rights is an issue with Disney. <laughs> no, I'm trying to be nice. Because, <laughs> yeah, it quite frankly pisses me off that we have like 15 of these remakes that, you know, some of them suck. Some of them people haven't seen at all. Uh, like that's, I think there was like a Cinderella one that people just didn't even know like the title of it. I thought that was pretty good. You saw that? I did, yeah. Wow. Cinderella. You're the only person I know that's seen that. 
I've never seen the original one. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah I love the original. Yeah. Cinderella Damn. was never on my radar. I need to see the live action then. If, if you like it, it was pretty I good. love the original. It was cute. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I hated the Lion King remake. I thought that was shit. I, I watched that recently, or I tried to. I got like 20 minutes in, and I was like, all right, first off, this is like planet Earth. <laughs> Second off, like, yeah, again, like, can we have some original? But I loved The Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast. I thought those were Beauty and the Beast really is well. the only one I love. That's the only one I, like, really, really enjoyed. And I think Mulan's going to be off the charts. <sighs> we'll see. I love Mulan. Like yeah. the, that's probably one of my, yeah. I thought Aladdin was not very good. Uh, I... I don't know. Well, you know, you know me. I, I think you're in the same boat. That one grew on me. Ron Williams is hard for me to yeah ever touch. It's hard to put that away. I understand. And I'm not a big Will Smith fan, so yeah. it's just that trade off is like fuck. The movie's fine. The movie's fine. But yeah, no. I'm, my my point is is like, dude, y'all could be making some awesome, awesome shit that nobody has ever seen before, and y'all have y'all have the funds and the resources that no one has in the entire world. Just make a couple things that are new. Well, that's the thing. Every time they try that, it's absolute shit. <laughs> like, for example, John Carter. There you go. There and you go. the upcoming Artemis Fowl. There you go. Like, their track record with House of the Clock in its walls. Yeah. In the past 10 years has been fucking awful. Yeah. So, I get they, you know. Them, oh, their formula is yeah, set. They're yeah. betting on a surefire win. Yes. Yeah. So, I understand that. Totally makes sense. It's just annoying. It is very annoying. For, for me, and it's not, not for everybody. I mean, there's probably kids who, yeah, this is, this is it. This is like, well, we had them, we had the cartoons in the 90s. Well, now kids who are 10 now, they have the live action. I'm not going to say one's better than the other. I mean, one I'll is. Yeah, one is, but I don't care. Like, I don't, you know, whatever. I guess, like, the other generation can have this, you know, or they, I guess. But I would rather them have new shit to watch. Like, Onward just came out. I'm probably going to go check that out. Yeah. My brother said it was awesome. Uh, that's cool. It's like a new story with Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. There you go. There you fucking go. Pixar's always, always push the envelope. Yeah, they're the one last bit of creative juice left in the Disney machine. Yeah, and even they, <laughs> you know, did four Toy Stories, you know, and three cars, and, you know, yeah. that's just how the movies work. That's what makes money. Like you said, it's surefire. It's just frustrating. As like a p- person who goes to the theater a lot, I just want to see new stuff, you know? And then Disney Plus, they're just not giving me any reasons to get on there. You know? Yeah. So I'm like, what, what are y'all doing? The the Star Wars stuff, there you go. That show, you know, I heard a lot about it. I'm not a big Star Wars guy, so I won't watch it. But that's the kind of shit y'all need to be doing, is creating creating new stories within the badass stuff you already have the rights to. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It doesn't even need to be new. Just new characters, new, new plot lines, better writing, you know? Let's fix the writing that Star Wars fucked up, you know, for so long. Like, let's do that. You know, let's do that. And I think they did with that show. I'm not going to watch it because, again, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. They did. They did. But I heard great things. Great things. I've heard people tell me, like, Austin, you've got to see it, even though you don't care about Star Wars. It's just a good show. That's the cool thing about The Mandalorian is you don't know, you don't need to know shit about Star Wars. That's great. And I probably will watch it one day yeah. because, yeah, there's there's been, like, ten people have come it's up to me. It's basically a Western show. Yeah, that's great. It's yeah. great. Cool. Next up, I made a minor error in the Invisible Man episode. I said that the film was Lee Winnell's second directing gig, when in fact third. it was his third. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. His directorial debut was 2015's Insidious Chapter 3. His second was Upgrade. Which, and, yeah. And his third was The Invisible Man. So Yeah, that, and, and I, I said out loud on that podcast, I was like comparing him to the other guys who are newer, who direct, you know, like Jordan Peele. And, and we, we, we mentioned how he's been in the game for a while writing. Yeah. But yeah, I made the mistake of thinking that that was his one-two punch directing. 
Insidious 3 is actually, yeah, his first punch. Yeah. Damn. Because Upgrade and Invisible Man is like one of the coolest devil features. <laughs> I know. You know, and I'll always kind of think of that way. I'll kind of jumble those together. Uh, I love both of those movies so much. Okay. You know, I know Caleb does too. Oh, yes. Uh, I know Josh <laughs> got to see Invisible Man as well. Um, yeah, but just that guy. But he's not, we, I heard he's not doing a sequel. Yeah, I heard it's that like too. for sure not happening. Yeah. Fuck. I did hear, however, Elizabeth Banks is doing an Invisible Woman movie that has nothing to do with this. Elizabeth Banks? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Apparently she, uh, she did the Charlie's Angels mm-hmm. remake and lost a lot of my respect when she came out and said the reason that movie failed is because men didn't go see it. When in reality, the, movie, the reason it's, it failed is because it sucked. I mean... Men didn't go see it? Yeah, that's what she said. She said the reason Charlie's Angels didn't succeed at the box office is because men didn't come out to see it because they didn't want to see a badass woman y'all's, movie. Y'all's poster was bad. Y'all's trailer was bad. Y'all's yeah. marketing was bad. Y'all's timing. Yeah. The weekend y'all put it out, I think there was another movie that came out that weekend. Yeah, it's just a fucked up. And by the way, apparently women didn't go see it either. Oh, it no, failed. no, no <laughs> one did. And that that whole argument is like horseshit because I know more men who are obsessed with the Charlie's Angels from 03 yeah. than women. Because 2000 Charlie's Angels was, was a good movie. Yeah. That was awesome. The two thousand, Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I think... I don't want to see her do Invisible Woman. I don't I don't care. I'm all right on that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my bad on that error. Hope you horror fans weren't losing too much sleep on that one. Insidious 3. Not my favorite. I No, I stopped with Insidious 3. I didn't see the last key. I don't really want to keep going. It's For me, only the first one's any good. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So we'll do it one day. We'll do Insidious 3. Yes, one day. indeed. So prior to this episode, what did you know about Audition? <sighs> that it was fucked up. <laughs> um, yeah, I read things on IMDb, um, things about dissecting and piercing and stuff about uh, when they had, this is for multiple of Mike's films, when they would when they would premiere at certain festivals and things, they would hand out barf bags and whatnot <laughs> for people. And that was part of the, that was part of the thing, you know, during the um, late 90s, early 2000s when that's when Mike was like, like churning out four films per year. Um, I think in 2001, he came out with five. Like, it's just like, what do you, how do you do this? And you, you read this stuff and you're like, okay, I need to see it for myself. Yeah. That's that's how I feel immediately. Cause I'm kind of like a, like, you know, I'll admit it. I'm kind of like a tough guy. Sometimes I can kind of be like, we'll see what we'll see. (laughs) And I gotta be honest. I was a little bit let down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's partly my fault because my expectations were like, this is just going to fuck me up, you know? Yes. And it did towards the end. But this is a very, very yeah, not fuck me up, but it, it was weird. It was a weird ending. More confusing than anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, the intentions and motives and if people are just going insane, I, I don't know. We'll get into that later. But I really like this movie. And I really like how, how well it just kind of moves for a two-hour film. You're like, what is this? Because you know the reputation it has. You're like, you're waiting for that moment to hit where you're like, ah, oh. and it doesn't come for an hour and 30 minutes. And I, I personally love that. That slow burn just kind of fucking with you. And there's a few scenes that are thrown in there as like curveballs. Mainly the one where you got the guy this on the piano <laughs> in that apartment. And you're just like, yeah, oh. you know, I just get the chills and you're just like, what exactly is going on? Who is that guy? What's his past? Obviously all that. Um, yeah, I, I'll say I was a little let, I'm a little underwhelmed, not let down because the movie's awesome. I really like the movie, but 
I've seen stuff worse than this. How do you feel? Yeah, pretty much. So, personally, Audition was the boogeyman for many years. Yeah, same. On the internet, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd seen a clip of it when I was a kid when I watched uh, Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments Countdown. Same. Came on every Halloween. And that that adds to the whole, like, the anticipation of, like, so you're like... That was number 11. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... And it was, you know, th- that countdown, by the way, let's just take a minute. I love that countdown so much. Beautiful. It is so tough to find these days. It's so scary. The The editing on the countdown is scarier than most of the movies on that yes. list. Yes. I mean, it's the shit. I really want them to do another one because there's that came out in 04, and there's been a shit ton of great movies since oh then. Oh, my God. But <sighs> the clip for Audition was super disturbing. The way the guest stars talked about it, like, it was on a completely different level from the rest of those movies. And I vowed never to watch it because I knew it was going to fuck me up. And this was back when I was like, you know, nine. (laughs) I had no business watching that fucking countdown. Well, thanks to this podcast and my desire to jump into Japanese horror, I felt it was finally time to give Audition my own two cents. And honestly, yeah, I was a bit underwhelmed. Yeah, and I do think us doing this together was a big deal. Yeah. Um, We even, we even like kind, we did we didn't like watch it together. We were texting each other like, man, you know, just kind of our thoughts on it. If I wouldn't have had that, if I was just watching these on my own, it'd been, been a different experience. True. For Very sure. True. Certain movies, I feel like you, you kind of need a little bit of a support system. Yeah. And just, <laughs> and, and like, hey, is it okay if I like this? You know, that kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know? And you're like, yeah, man, it's fine. You know, <laughs> it's fucked up, but it's fine. That's the life of a horror fan. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and you, you know, we've talked, like you said, we've talked about some mm-hmm. fucked up movies. I mean, the movie I chose for my birthday, Zodiac, has some gnarly murder mm-hmm. scenes. I mean, I picked American Werewolf. You got some, yeah. grisly like Jesus. people getting ripped Just apart in that movie, chomping. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, but this is, yeah, this is what we do. Yeah, with audition, I, you know, all the grisly, horrific shit I've seen in horror over the course of my life has made me desensitized to yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. And audition didn't really bother me that much. I still liked it. Feels good to put it behind me, finally. But I'm definitely glad I have the opinion. Yeah, yeah I'm glad I've seen it, but I was really hoping this was going to be like just whoa. I'm I'm going to watch it again. It probably because is. I I want to study like the beginning more and figure out what the fuck's going on with uh yeah with our our protagonist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so audition was directed by Takashi Miike, one of the most respected in the Japanese cinema scene. He's directed over a hundred movies including Ichi the Killer, 13 Assassins, and One Missed Call. The original, not the shitty American remake they made. It was based on a novel by Ryu Murakami that was published in 1997 and then first published in English in 2009. So it took a while. Crazy. The film stars Ryu Ishibashi as widower Shigiharu Oyama. Ishibashi also appeared in the first American remake of The Grudge, as well as its first sequel. He has nearly 80 credits to his name as an actor. And... Talking about the cast here is going to be a bit sparse because we're not that well versed in Japanese film, mm-hmm. so we don't know most of these. Yeah, if and if any, <laughs> uh, Ehi Shina plays Asami Yamazaki, film's most delicate psychopath and the unofficial face of Japanese horror movies. <laughs> to some, uh, Shina was a fashion model who got her big break into film in 1998 with Open House, and followed that with Audition. This was her second movie. Her other big role is as Officer Ruka in 2008's Tokyo Gore Police. So she's been around for uh, since 98. She's still working. And I bet she, you know, this is obviously her most famous film. Yes. 
Yes. I'd be afraid to talk to her. <laughs> just the, the poster, man. The poster for this movie is yeah. frightening in itself. And then uh, Jun Kunimura plays Yasuhisa Yoshikawa, Shigaharu's movie producer friend who sets up the audition for him. Big-time film fans will recognize Kunimura as the Yakuza boss Tanaka in 2003's Kill Bill Volume 1, who gets decapitated by Oren Ishii after bringing up her mixed heritage. And it took me the whole damn movie. It was like, I know that guy's face. And then I was like, Kill Bill! I fucking knew it. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, cool. And oh, you yeah. know he was in there because Tarantino's a big fan of this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that about covers the cast. Audition has an IMDb score of 7.2. Rotten Tomatoes score 81%. I can't find any info on the budget or how much it made domestically in Japan. Neither could I. But I can tell you that in the States it only grossed about $130,000. But that's likely due to an extremely limited release. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, I mean, this film is on Shutter, so you can watch it there. But this is actually really tough to get on DVD. Yeah, I almost because I saw it at DVD Exchange, like just one copy, and I was like, should I get it? And then I was like, I don't know if this movie I'm gonna want to own. I actually wouldn't mind owning it now that I've seen it. Um, but I didn't know that. Yeah, that was gonna be a lot more fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Crazy. So let's go into the plot of this thing. Let's try to dissect this monster. Let's do it. So, Shigiharu Oyama, he's a middle-aged widower who lost his wife to an illness, and it this movie starts with a completely different tone than I expected. I mean, we open with the death of this guy's wife, and yeah. his son walking in to her death with like a, a get-well-soon, like, diorama. Yeah, yeah. And shit, I mean, talk about tugging your heartstrings early. Mm-hmm. This movie is such a blend of so many different genres it, that it's really tough to keep it straight. It never, yeah, it's like hilarious at times. Yeah. It like doesn't let you. I mean, dude, out. like the the montage of all the different girls auditioning, I was laughing my ass off that whole time. The music. Yeah. Oh, man. So we flash forward seven years, and Shigaharu's 17 year old son, Shigehiko, wants him to start dating again. He thinks his dad's unhappy, says, you know, hey, man. Put yourself out there. And he's kind of doubtful of his father's love life. He's going to move out when he finishes school. He started dating. He doesn't want his dad to be alone. And Oyama's friend and colleague, Yoshikawa, he's a film producer who comes up with a plan to hold a fake movie audition for a fake movie in which he can recruit young, beautiful, aspiring actresses to star in this movie when... (laughs) And uh, Oyama can sit in and pick the ones he likes, which is really fucked up. Pretty sure it's illegal, too. Extremely. And, <laughs> and uh, I think that's, you know, that's Takashi Miike, like, making fun of um, jackass producers and people in the film industry. Yeah. This movie's his, you know, spitting on Hollywood. Yeah. And, like, just yeah, making fun of the stereotypes and that. Yeah. 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 It's fun. It's very, very, very satire. Like... I I felt at times I was like the first thirty minutes I was like this kind of feels like uh, I don't know kind of like a uh, what's his name um, Jojo Rabbit uh, Taika yeah it feels like a I don't know what's going on does he is he going for laughs is he going for serious is he, he's doing it all he's doing it all <laughs> obviously this movie goes south later yes but I'm talking about I'm talking about like you're saying the genre bending the first like hour you're like what this is it keeps you on your toes you don't really know what's going on, but you also can't can't leave the screen. 
because the music and the like you said the, the actual audition scene is hilarious yeah. it's amazing how they keep you on your toes well it's funny that this uh, what exactly does oyama do like what is his job i don't I, remember i assume because he's friends with his movie producer that he's also in the movie business that's right he does um he does say at the beginning he's like a Something, something kind of like lame, you know, behind yeah. the scenes, like not really that some kind of consultant, yeah, just yeah. like a yeah. You know, he's uh, there, <laughs> so they dig up some phony movie script, say they're going to make this film, and they set up this audition. <laughs> That's so weird. Like, never, like, not once in this in this movie do they consider the woman's feelings. Like, maybe oh, no. she doesn't want to marry the movie producer. Maybe she just wants to be in a movie. That's not even up for discussion in the, to them. It's like, oh, you just pick one and you'll get married. Yeah. Like, so just do what you say. Jesus. I don't know if that's like Japanese culture or that's just like intended for the movie to be, you know, the more of that satire. I, I, I think Asian culture, yeah. Because Asami's whole deal, like the reason she does this is because she's tired of men doing this to her, of leading her on, of ruining her life. So... I'm sure it's part culture, but I think it also is partly for the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just exclusively to Asami. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is her background. Yeah. That's all we ever know about her. Mm-hmm. She hates men. Yeah, because they keep, yeah, fucking her over. Oof. So Oyama is immediately like, oh, this is a great idea. Let's do this. And uh, he gets a whole bunch of, like, you know, folders full of, of resumes with pictures attached to him and he's just like he's not even reading them he's just like hot hot not hot not hot like fuck that's this it, is man. a degrading seed man terrible yeah and then he comes across asami yamazaki a 24 year old woman with a soft voice reserved she, uh she had a great essay about how she almost lost her will to live but bounced back because of ballet and he's entranced immediately so he still goes through with the audition, but he ignores everybody because he wants he wants her. Yep. <laughs> Only has eyes for her. Yeah. So Oyama, because you know he's still mourning his wife, he's attracted to her emotional depth. He's like, this girl gets me. Yeah. This idiot. She's gonna get you. She's gonna get you hard. Yeah. In more ways than one. <laughs> so. No kidding. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. So, Yoshikawa warns him about Asami, saying he's got a bad feeling. And uh, <laughs> it's funny, because none of the references on her resume pan out. Everyone's a lie. Yeah. But <laughs> Oyama's like, it's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, who cares? How could somebody this cute lie about anything? Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's cute. What could go wrong? So we get the the audition scene, and oh my god, it's hilarious because everybody is such an idiot. Everybody's so ditzy, especially that one woman who just strips immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. No gotta, words at all. Got to do something to stand out, sir. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> is that one girl? Like people are tap dancing. Somebody has a baton. <laughs> like somebody showed up in a swimsuit. It's ridiculous. In <laughs> the music. The music feels like something out of like a Wes Anderson movie. You're like, what? <laughs> it's like real jolly. Just do, 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 do. You're just watching this. Yeah. Tom Fullery go down. It's great. It's really fun. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So he talks to Sami and he's very entranced by her. She says all the right things. And uh, producer friend says like, hey, I'm just warning you. You know, she's not being truthful. Her job history is shaky. You know, tread carefully here. The music producer she claimed to work for has been missing. Which, <laughs> if you know where this is going, all the red flags are so easy to spot. Yep. But... Oyama's so blinded by love, he completely ignores all of these red flags. It's just nothing but green as far as he can see. Yeah. And he, uh, they go out on a few dates. They have lunch. He says he's going to call her. And producer says, you know, don't look desperate. Wait a few days. Don't call her immediately. So Oyama's like, all right. And you see him, like, you know, reach for the phone a few times when he hangs up, and he doesn't want to look desperate. And then we go to Asami's apartment, where she is just sitting on the floor, staring at the phone. She's got no furniture, just this big sack in the background. Yeah. And that is creepy. Very <laughs> creepy. Those, those callbacks to that, when they keep yeah. showing her and her... You can see her like spine going up into her neck. She's been there she's one of those in that position for hours, maybe days. It's unnerving. Extremely. And unhinged, unpredictable. You don't know what this person's capable of. Especially when the phone starts to ring and the fucking sack moves. (laughs) (sighs) Jesus. That was good horror stuff right there. Yeah. Textbook like, oh. (laughs) That was freaky. No explanation on what the hell that was. Nah, no, of course not. And she answers the phone and is like, oh, I never thought I'd hear from you again. (laughs) Ugh. I love she she answers it like, oh, I didn't think you'd call. Yeah. She's been, ugh. Ew. So they go out, and they agree to go on a, go away for the weekend. They're going to go to a seaside hotel. And at the hotel, Asami tells Oyama that she suffered serious, severe abuse as a child and was burned on her leg. So she says, I, we don't know, she, yeah. we don't know how truthful she is in this movie. And, uh, Never she, will. no, she gets naked, lays down in the bed and says that she wants Oyama to love only her. And he promises to do so. And they sleep together. And that's where it all goes off the rails. Cause he wakes up and she's gone. He's awakened by a telephone call. Call It's the front desk wondering if he's going to be checking out soon because his female companion checked out that morning. And he realizes he can't find her. He has nowhere, he doesn't, he's never been to her apartment. He doesn't know where she lives. She's not answering her phone. So he uses her resume to try to hunt her down. <laughs> this relationship was never going to last. No, no. The signs are there. This whole thing is built on a big fat lie. She's clearly crazy. He's clearly obsessive. This was, this was going to bomb. Bad intentions, yeah. <laughs> From, oh, my God. And the son's a complete idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy cracked me up, though. Like, the actor. He's like, this guy's so fucking oblivious. <laughs> so oblivious. He's us. He's the audience. <laughs> Just lost in this, yeah, very dark world. Ugh. So, Oyama goes to visit the ballet studio she, uh, that Asami claimed to have been at for 12 years. And he finds that the studio is completely just gone. And its only inhabitant is this disabled old man in a wheelchair with artificial feet, which looked 
like dead feet. Pretty creepy. I feel like he's grave robbing, cutting off feet and gluing them to his legs. Pretty, pretty nasty figure that that is. Uh, that's another thing Mike is really good at. Is like some of his characters are so dark looking. Yeah, that, that you're like, what is his past? You know, just uh, like, or or do I even want to know? You know, like this guy. This guy just had. There's, you know, like they say a picture is like has a million words or whatever. Yeah, the image of him. Yeah, uh, two million words. You know million questions I have <laughs> for this guy. Holy shit. And he's the guy who burned Asami's legs. He's the fucking creepy-ass pedophile yeah. who burned her upper thigh when she was a kid. Ugh. And it's not, you know, she clearly cut his legs off. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's the reason he's in this chair. Yeah. So this guy gives him no information. He's a little freaked out, so he goes to the bar that Asami claims she used to work at, and someone tells him it's been closed for a year because the woman who was in charge, the wife of a record producer, was found dismembered. And when the police put her body back together, they found three extra fingers, an extra ear, and an extra tongue. Good God. <laughs> and for some weird, weird reason, Oyama has an instant like hallucination of that, where he sees the tongue wriggling on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Takeshi Miike and tongues, man. Yeah! Ugh! God, we'll get to that yeah, on Friday. Good Holy Lord. fuck. Lord. <laughs> so, during... As, as penance. As penance. Oh, God. We'll get there, yeah. That was early in the fucking movie, too. <laughs> so, Asami, during all this, goes to Oyama's house while, she's, while he's searching. And when, he's, when she's there, she finds a photo of his dead wife, and she becomes enraged. So, she spikes his liquor and hides. Oyama comes home, has a drink, immediately passes out. And that is when shit gets a little muddled. When you could this from here on out, it's kind of up to the audience whether or not this really happened, yeah, or yeah. whether it's all in his head from the hallucination. We cut to a, se- a sequence back when they were on a date, and they're talking about she's talking about the abuse she suffered. Um, her stepdad was a monster, and in one scene, Oyama sees the sack from earlier, open to reveal a man missing both feet, his tongue, one ear, and three fingers. <sighs> See, I don't... This is right here, to me, proves that it's not happening. Yeah. Because he never went to her apartment, so how does he know about the sack? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You're right. I didn't catch that. Yeah. That immediately... Up, I was wondering about that, like, that makes no sense. Did, yeah, that did she bring the sack? But no, I don't know. So this part is 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 tough to stomach. <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is the yeah. This is yeah. So brace yourself. He crawls out of the sack, begs for food. We see Asami vomit into a dog bowl and feed it to him. <laughs> Whew! Didn't need to see that. Didn't need to see no, that. No. Ugh. And he sticks his face in the bowl and just consumes it like it's the be- like it's the only thing he's eaten in weeks. Ugh. Jesus Christ. A while later, we see Oyama back in his apartment, paralyzed and drugged. Asami puts on a leather apron because she's getting ready to work with some meat. She walks into the room. And in that brief moment, we see the twisted, rip, like ripped apart body of his dog. 
Yeah. That was tough. People don't like that stuff. People rather see humans fucked up than dogs in movies. You know why? Because dogs are innocent. There is nothing... No animal has ever hurt anybody emotionally. It's never done anything worth that kind of treatment. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Creepy. I even one time took, like, a survey at Draft House, and I'd be like, if you had to kill me or a dog, and, like, everybody was like, you. It's like, wow, I don't do, feel good about myself. Do I Do I know the dog? <laughs> huh? Do I know the dog? Oh, yeah, no, it was, like, your pet. Yeah, it was, like, everybody's pet, yeah. So it was like, you know, I was going around to like servers at Draft House. Like, all right, if you had to kill your pet dog or me, which would you choose? And they're like, no hesitation, you. <laughs> like, all right. Jesus. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. My God. You know, you know who actually the only guy who was like, oh, no, I'd save your life. It was Bajan. <laughs> Bajan was like, oh, fuck that dog. <laughs> Shout out to Bajan. I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever listened to Film Guys and Bajan, oh my but God. Yeah, he, he stuck out his neck for me that day. And he was like, no, man, Austin's a fucking human. <laughs> we got to save him. You know, fuck the dog. <laughs> but I re- that's like a real thing. It's like people, like you said, dogs are innocent. Dogs are pets. They're just there for, you know, they're, they're your companion. You know, you're just like your buddy. You it's know? unconditional love. Yeah. And, you know, and to, to, to see a dog like mangled is just not a fun image. To snuff out that innocence yeah. is one of the most evil things you, a villain can do in a movie. Yeah, yeah, just, ugh. I, yeah, I've, I've never, like, even, even, like, even in something like Harry Potter, when, like, a cat is dead, you know, you're just like, ugh. Dude, when Hedwig got blasted? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Oh, my God. Fucks with you, yeah. Tragic. I, especially Hedwig, come on. Like, yeah. the most innocent, upright animal of all time. And she died defending him. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Oh. Uh, what episode was that? 40? 40 maybe, yeah. 40 or 45, yeah, go check that out. We talked about Harry Potter for a couple <laughs> hours. It was fun. <laughs> oh. So, she's telling Oyama that he's going to be paralyzed, but his nerves are going to be fully awake, so he's going to feel everything. Yeah, just enough. Yeah. So, she <laughs> injects him in the tongue with something. The paralytic, probably. That's vicious. Again, with tongues. Oof. I don't, I think, why do you think the tongue for Mike? I don't know. It's pre- pretty different. Maybe he was just like, what can I do that'll be weirder than most? I think it's just, it's personal in a way that like arms and legs just aren't. Like there's certain, ex- you know, yeah, and, extremities and, that. Yeah. And, and you know, like the movie we're talking about on Friday, you know, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a monumental part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like it's on IMDb. Like it's like the fifth picture is the picture of him with the. Yeah. Oh, I don't need to see that again. Yeah, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. It's crazy. Thank you for warning me about yeah. that. <laughs> so she injects him in the tongue and then she starts sticking it with needles, with like acupuncture needles, but Ugh. in the wrong places. Yeah. And she's saying deeper in Japanese, but it's it's so innocent and cute. And freaky. Deeper, deeper. Yeah. It'd be like, yeah, if someone was just like whispering, deeper, deeper. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I got the chills. <laughs> and then she gets him like under the eye, like under the eyelid. Ugh. In the cheek. Ugh, man, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I, I, my eyes start watering if I look at like a thorny bush. 
So this was like, oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like crying because my eyes can't stop watering. <laughs> Shit fucks with me. And she tells him that he is just like everybody else she, who claimed that, to love her. She says, you know, you never would have loved me fully because you have a son. You said you'd love only me. What's up with that? <laughs> What's up with I that? added that part. <laughs> she, <laughs> she says, this is not acceptable. And because, you know, she's ne- he'll never be completely hers, she has to torture him to, to teach him the meaning of pain and needing somebody. She says, words cause lies, pain can be trusted. Mm-hmm. Red flag. If your girlfriend ever says that to you, fucking run. Change your name. <laughs> or just kill yourself, because she's probably going to do it before you can. Yeah. If your girlfriend <laughs> or wife is a big fan of this movie, you might want to... You know, talk to some friends about an exit strategy just to be safe. (laughs) And then she grabs some piano wire and saws off his left foot at the ankle, which was pretty grisly. You can hear him. You can hear it scrape the bone. And he's just lying there in agony because he can't move, but he can feel. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this this reminds me of 2018's Hereditary when Tony Collette is doing that to her own neck. Yeah. Those sounds and that blood spewing, yeah, it's just, you can't get out of your head. Oh, Ari Aster's very influenced by Takashi Miike. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, now oh I realize God. that now. I did not know until, yeah, we, yeah, I, which which I love. I love when, because there's a lot of people who aren't going to see these. So if you implement them into your own films here in America, it's pretty cool. Yes. It's, it's, it's like, um... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Hereditary and Midsommar have stuff that's just like so out there. That's why we, that's why we went and saw them, uh, and that's why we both adore Hereditary so much because it's textbook, but it's also like, whoa, I've never seen that. Yeah, that's what we like live for is something that's really refined and well done, but also different. And yeah, that scene at the end of Hereditary when Tony Collette is taking off her own head, yeah, it's just, Eesh. it's just it's frightening, and you have to, yeah, you have to like point back to like their. The inspiration, and here it is. So cool. I love that. I love, as a horror fan, seeing that full circle. And maybe there's something before audition that I don't know about. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's just, that's how art works. It's the, it's the best. Yeah. Fucking love it. So, Asami starts cutting off the other foot, <coughs> but she's yeah. in her, Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, let's just make it, yeah. Even it out. Well, her, her, she makes a good point. Like, you can't run away if you don't have any feet. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right here. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and she's surprised... By Oyama's son coming home. She hides, prepares to attack him. Can you imagine? Coming home to find your dad on the ground with needles in his body and a foot missing? And just... <laughs> and you see this, like, kind of attractive girl. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> dad! <laughs> Do I leave you alone or <laughs> your foot's missing? Like, Jesus. Madness. Like, How kinky is this getting? <laughs> like, Dad, I told you to go on a date. You know? <laughs> You know, I didn't know you missed mom this much. Jeez. What is the safe word? Dad, what's the safe word? <laughs> I'm sorry we're like making fun of this, but it is like played. It's almost played for laughs. There's a lot of it. Yeah. That's a lot like, of it's played for laughs. That's like, look how ridiculous the scenario is. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but Christ. Yeah. And she gets out this spray and starts chasing him. And he's like, fuck off. Stop. Get off of me. It's weirdly funny. <laughs> it shouldn't be. We should be horrified right now. But the way he did this was like, okay, this is this is funny. <laughs> well, yeah, you're just so 
goddamn confused. Like yeah. I was like in a delirious state at this point in the movie. I'm like, what is going on? Because right when Oyama sees his son, he flashes back to being in bed with Asami when they when they slept together at the seaside hotel. Yes, and you think, oh shit, was that all a dream? Is he just having like you know pre proposal jitters and imagined yeah. like the most freakish scenario possible? Yeah, maybe. Just want to weigh out all the yeah, yeah, the things that could happen. <laughs> oh my god. So he's, you know, he looks over and it's Tommy's still there. And she wakes up and is like, are you all right? And he's like, um, nightmare. Pretty bad one. The other he immediately grabs for his feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> and she says she accepts his marriage proposal, despite him not having proposed yet, which means this is a dream. Damn. She, <laughs> she says that he saved her life. And... <laughs> Then he wakes up from the dream to see his son swing around and see Asami spray him. And the spray doesn't do anything. No. I don't know what that is. I think it's mace or some kind of like, you know, knockout drug or something. Yeah, yeah. He runs up a flight of stairs to escape her. She follows him, starts spraying him on the ground, and he just straight up kicks her right across the fucking stairs, right yeah. down. She breaks awesome. her neck. Awesome. What? He's just like, ah! Who falls like that? Oh my god. It's like Street Fighter. Yeah. He just goes, boom. Uh. And Oyama's like, call the police! Oh my god! Call the police! And he's in agony. Continues to stare at Asami. I expected Asami to get up. I was thinking, Me like, too. she's Me fine. Too. She's she's not. Like, they're gonna turn that. around, they're gonna turn back, she's gone. Or something like that. Yeah, audition two. No! <laughs> no sequel. Uh, but no, her neck's broken. She's facing him, and she starts muttering things that she told him earlier. Like, you know, I didn't expect you would call. You're the love of my life. Things like that. Like deeper, deeper. Like retreat. You know, kind of like a greatest hits of their conversations, which makes me think like this has been scripted from the beginning, and he, she's just a serial killer. Yes. And uh, he's sad as he remembers. You know, he loved this girl. He was going to marry her. Oh. And he remembers his answer to her in his dream sequence about her abuse. She said, it's hard to forget about, but someday you'll feel that life is wonderful. Okay. <laughs> and that is the end of audition. Jesus. Uh, just gut, <laughs> gut punch. That's like, you know, um, the last 20 minutes or so are that, that whole scene of him being tortured, the dream sequence, and son coming home, and all that, and it's just, it's pretty fucking epic. Yeah. Uh, to say the least. Uh, yeah, obviously that's what, what we were talking about, you know, there's just some nasty, nasty torturing stuff going on. But, again... But again, a little underwhelming. I thought they were gonna go harder than that. Yeah, me too. Needles? I can work with fucking needles. Me I've too. You know? All the Saw movies had way darker shit than this, personally, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, you know, Saw 1 and 2, you got needles and cutting feet off. Yes. So yes, I've seen yes, worse. Yes. And I was, I, I don't know, I thought she was going to, like, you know, kill the kill the kid, feed him the dog, some dark shit, you know? I had some ideas. Yeah, me too, me too, <laughs> me too. That house says a lot about me, but, you know, fuck. I don't know. Feed him his eyes. Well, I was also hoping the producer would get involved as well, uh, that she would kill him. Yeah, I think um, what I would have done is I would have had the torture start a lot s sooner. Maybe like 20, 30 minutes before it actually started. Yeah, it's like at the halfway point of the movie. Give it some more time to, to gestate. 
Yeah. Give us more time to writhe, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It's a good movie. Good movie. Uh, I think you gave it an eight. I give it an eight as well. I also uh, give it an yeah, eight. Yeah, that was your, your review. I read that. That's, I, yeah. I feel very similarly to uh, about about the film. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to buy it. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to find it. Perhaps. And I'll... I'm very keen on like studying the first half of the movie again. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go check this one out. If you've listened to this whole episode, if you have shutter, go check it out. It's, um, it's a trip. That's for sure. That's for damn sure. So here's some film guys and facts for you. Number one, when the film was screened at the Rotterdam film festival in 2000, it had a record number of walkouts mm-hmm. at the Swiss premiere. Someone passed out and needed emergency room attention. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Weakling. 20 years ago. God. You would not make it in the film industry oh today. Oh my God. Oh my God. No. <laughs> Number two, heavy metal musician and horror movie director Rob Zombie admitted he found this movie to be the most creepy and unsettling of any horror movie he's ever watched. That's high praise from the man who thinks rape is a story subject. Like, it's dude, all of his movies are so rapey. It's uncomfortable. I know. Number three, and this is gross. So rapey. The dog bowl of vomit fed to Asami's prisoner is, in fact, the actual vomit of the actress. Takashi Miike claims that Ehi Shina is a method actress and insisted on doing this. So, I'm going to choose to believe the vomit that she puts in the bowl is real. Yes. Immediate cut to the fake vomit yeah. that the guy laps up. That's what I'm choosing to believe. <coughs> I'm too. not doing any further research. Me too. Let's that is just, what happened. Let's roll with that <laughs> and leave it. Yeah. Number four, Takashi Miike wanted to end the film at the onset of the torture scene that the film is now famous for. However, one of the producers told him to, quote, be a man and see it through to the end. So that was like, Miike was going to end this short and the producer's like, no, people want to see this. <laughs> we got to see this. That's a little fucked up, but I get it. So yeah, 8 out of 10. While personally disappointing, it's a great well-told story. I have mixed feelings. On one hand, I was hoping it was going to be so horrific that it would scar me for life. On the other, I'm glad I wasn't so horrified that my hair turned white. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an 8. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Agreed. And before we talk about Friday's episode, Filmgasm contributor Caleb Leger has sent us his thoughts on Audition. Let's see what he has to say. Oh, yeah. I got something to admit. It took me a very long time to start watching foreign horror movies. No problem, us too. Having to read subtitles and the usually far more extreme material tended to keep me away as a child. I hope so, as a child, fuck. But my thirst for something more grew as I started my time at film school. As luck would have it, I ended up making really good friends with a fellow classmate who was very much into extreme and foreign horror. I've heard about this guy. After hearing, I wanted to begin... After hearing I wanted to begin my journey into this realm of horror, he immediately started thinking about the right film to start with. After some serious consideration, he came back with his copy of Audition for me to borrow and watch. The only thing he told me, it's not what you expect. I went home and started up the movie. He was right. What followed is one of the most shocking and disturbing films I got the joy to see, and that's after it lulls you into a false sense of security. A huge reason Audition works so well is because of director Takashi Miike. The prolific director has well over 100 credits to his name and is well known for his eclectic filmography. One minute he does a film like this, the next he's doing a family picture. It's true. Granted, most of his love comes from his extremely graphic horror endeavors. Nonetheless, the man is an absolute genius behind the camera. This is important to note due to how Mike successfully meshes two separate genres together for the end product that is audition. 
The first half starts out more like a romantic drama where we see our main character, Shigiharu Oyama, looking for love again after the loss of his wife. Now, there are still some disturbing aspects like the uncomfortable audition scene. <laughs> That's okay. And Shigiharu, played by Ryo Ishibashi, being a bit of a sleaze. But for the most part, we are watching a love story until that fucking bag moves. <laughs> It's at this point Mike reveals his true genius turns this into a full-blown horror film. This is also where actress Ihei Shina, playing love-torn Asami Yamazaki, displays all of her talent. Her turn into complete psychopath is still unnerving to this day. I still get tense if I randomly hear the word kiri in relation to this film, and that's what she says in Japanese. Which leads to the final thing I want to talk about, the finale. In case you didn't know, foreign films tend to face less censorship than American ones. No shit. Mike takes full advantage. Between what he actually shows you and the sound effects of what he doesn't, Audition has a very hard finale to stomach, so be prepared. Audition is, honestly, one of the best films to start your foreign cinematic journey. Yes. Huh. You got a I agree, I agree. Big time, yes, and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. You got a genius like Takashi Mike at the helm. You get the perfect example of creative freedom most foreign films get with yes. how this is basically two genres successfully merged together. Yes, and you get to watch one of the most brutal, iconic endings in cinema history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Audition sticks with me to this day. Just don't make my mistake and get too far into this disturbing film rabbit hole. You will end up seeing certain films you'd rather soon forget. And don't trust someone with a bag in their kitchen. Eight out of ten. Yeah. Thank you, Caleb. Yeah, straight up. And I know what movie you're talking about. You've warned me very, very, like very many times. And yeah, we're not doing that. I'm not even going to mention it on the, on the thing because... Somebody's going to say, do it. <laughs> and then we're going to get back to the recording. And I'm not, so. We're not doing that movie. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a movie. I wonder how many people out there are like, ooh, what movie is it? Yeah, well, I guess we should just stop. Um, you want to talk about what the bonus is? Let's do it. What are we doing Friday? Itchy! <laughs> Gotta be Itchy the Killer. Two itchy year, the Killer. Two years after audition, obviously, Takashi Miike. We've been talking about this movie a bunch. It's just we didn't say the title. <laughs> uh, wow. Ichi the Killer is one of the craziest movies I've ever seen in my life. Possibly Mike's masterpiece. From what I've seen, yeah. of the three, it's my favorite, for sure. It's fucked up. Like, a uh, completely different level than this one, man. Yeah, Audition has the finale. Ichi the Killer is the whole two hours. Yes. The whole two hours. <laughs> you, and, you and I texted back and forth, like, ah, fuck, like, which, which scene is, like, like, fucked with you the most? And it's like, all of them. <laughs> Every two minutes. There's it's hard to pick. There's something weirder and darker happening. Yeah. There's more blood, you know, just like, semen. What? Oh, crazy movie. I cannot yes. wait to talk about it. Uh, yeah. I've been like itching to talk about <laughs> the killer. Uh, yeah. yeah. It'll yeah. be a good one to unpack. For sure. For sure, man. And going to make for a very wild fucking episode. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> and then we'll take a little break from Takashi. <laughs> yeah. Do some, you know, some good old fashioned clean American horror. Some good old Judy Garland. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about what happened this week in film. Let's do it. First up, and this happened today, Danish actor, Oscar winner, I mean, Oscar nominee, Max von Sydow, died at age 90. Man. We just talked about him in The Exorcist. I know. Hell of an actor. We we had just been talking about doing Shutter Island, you know, soon. We, yeah, you know. Profound loss to cinema. Yeah, to to horror. I thought he was going to be around forever. Me too. He's, Max I thought, I thought he wasn't like 200 years old, you know? He's like one of those guys you're like, oh, it's just like a ghost because he's just here. Yeah. He's never going to leave. Yeah. Really weird, yeah, when you see that. that Very tragic. That's, that's how I felt about Robert Forrester. I was like, what? No, yeah. he can't. 
No. Yeah, man. Sucks, dude. Sucks. Damn shame. And yeah, we're going to miss him here at Filmgasm. He was a tentpole of horror. Fantastic actor. Underrated. Oh, extremely. And yeah, it will be missed. And my my favorite character in The Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. Like frightening, but not. I don't know. He's just such an interesting figure. Yeah. For sure. And we will. He'll he'll come back in Filmgasm. He's going to be in a lot of movies we're going to talk about in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's no point in going to his IMDb because we'll be here all night. (laughs) Next up. MGM has moved the release of No Time to Die from April 10th to November 25th due to concerns over the coronavirus outbreak. Fuck! <laughs> we gotta wait till November for this now. I was We had two weeks. I was so excited. This was my movie. I know. And now, ah, This sets a very dangerous precedent. What else is gonna be pushed? Ugh. And not just in movies, in, in everything. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yesterday, there was a massive, massive soccer game played in Italy. No fans in the entire stadium. Yeah. 80,000 seats and no one's there. Watching these guys who are making millions of dollars, you know, millions of euros to play. I heard the sport. NBA is considering doing the same thing. And LeBron was like, I'm not playing then. Why would I, if the kids aren't there, then what am I, what am I doing this for? Yeah. <laughs> this is a very strange, I've never lived through a pandemic before. This is Neither very strange. And, and, you know, of course... Before I want to, I do not. Our goal is to never like offend anyone, especially in this kind of, in this in this scenario. Yeah. Well, we're always trying to offend people about movies. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is so much bigger, and there's yeah. there's death happening in the world. I understand that. But here in the United States, it's like, it's just such, it's so fascinating how people are handling it because, like, I work at HEB. I work at a massive grocery store. And it's like it was way slower this week because people just didn't want to go outside. Yeah. And you're like. And, and then I remember at one point I went on lunch and I walked past the, um, like, there's an aisle with all the cleaning stuff. And I was like, all of the Purell hand sanitizer is gone. You know? Yeah. And it's just, and a, lot, and a lot of alcohol. That was funny. <laughs> and it's just like, man. You know, like, my girlfriend's just like, just wash your hands. Yeah. Like, you should just be, have been doing that already. Don't you wash know? your hands. Don't touch people's faces. It's not that hard. Yeah. Don't cough on people. And don't kiss <laughs> other people's babies. No, for Christ's sake, don't do that. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff, man, that people, yeah, it's just like common fucking sense, you know? Yeah. But and what like, I don't get about moving the movies, like, do they think this is all going to be over that's in November? My, that's my thing. And also, like, November? Holy shit. Like, that's that's like half the year. That's a six-month push. Yeah. Can we have it in the summer at least? I'll take that risk. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. we're, you know, like, are we do- yeah, are we going to do that for every movie? If I'm going to die, I'm going to die in a goddamn movie theater. <laughs> like, I, ju- I just saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Should I have not gone to see that in theater? I just you- saw The Way Back. Yeah, you saw Emma, The Way Back. The- yeah, you- we saw Invisible Man. Should we-, should we have not done that? Yeah, you're right. The precedent thing is just, wh- wh- what are we setting ourselves up for here? Yeah. What else is going to get pushed? Yeah. What else is going to get canceled? And-, and-, and we get, we know, you know, James Bond's a worldwide event because he's fucking James Bond. Yeah. But my lord, we are, and you know, I know this is your most anticipated movie of the entire year. Yes, uh, that's hard for me to say when Wes Anderson and David Fincher both have a movie coming out. That's yeah. I'm just kind of like fanboys of theirs. There's nothing they can do wrong. But holy shit, I'm so excited for for Bond, for the last Bond. And you and I were talking about doing a big weird shit Wednesday centered around it. Yeah. Now we got to fucking wait till November. Yeah, we got to rethink our whole strategy. So yes, we're not we're not insensitive to the people who are actually affected by this disease yeah. over in Asia. It's what an, we think is stupid are the people who are buying the shelves of Purell yes, yeah. and toilet paper for some reason. Yeah, it's like... Well, like, it's it, the end of the world. Yeah, it's like, well, if you're just taking these steps before as just like a 
you know, common sense stuff as a human being. You should be washing your hands yeah, all the time. Jesus Christ, yeah. It's not know? new information. Yeah. We're not five years old. Exactly. Jesus and, Christ. And that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like the government here in America is like talking to us like we're 10 year olds. What's going on, guys? You know, it's just, it's just a little frustrating. For a virus that admittedly is like a fraction more deadly than the actual flu, yeah. which kills mm. thousands. Uh, yeah, every year. Like this thing is nothing. Compared to that, yeah. Slow the fuck down. We get one of these every year. And this is just to like make fun of our country a little bit more. Corona, beer sales have gone yeah. way down. What the fuck is Are that? Are you serious? Are you that dumb? People who drank Corona before were like, nah, I don't think I'm going to drink Corona anymore because, because what? You really, are you really putting those two together? Jesus. You really think that has something to do with that? If anything, Fuck. should get pushed Fast and Furious 9, considering he's, Vin Diesel's constantly drinking fucking Corona in that no, movie. No kidding. But Jesus, I just, I, I think it's stupid. I mean, you, you know, I remember I remember the bird flu. I remember the swine flu. Yes. It, we get one of these all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. This is no different. It's just way overblown this time. And the internet is in such a yeah. vast state now where everybody puts their opinion yeah. on the internet. It's not Outbreak. It's not 28 Days Later. It's not Night of the Living Dead. We're going to be fine, so slow the fuck down. <laughs> I mean, Trump <laughs> might still be our president, but we're going to be fine. <laughs> oh, God. Just, yeah. Sorry, I've had this in my no, in for a I'm, while now. I'm with you, especially when Bond comes up. Yeah. You're like, the second mm. they pushed my Bond movie, they pushed me. <laughs> And I'm, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> they pushed me. <laughs> Ugh, moving on. Playing with my money is like playing with my emotions. <laughs> the trailer for Tom Hanks' new World War II drama, Greyhound, was released. Hmm. Hanks also wrote the screenplay. Looks kind of generic, but I'm terrible, in. Terrible poster. Yeah. Terrible, like, font. Everything, yeah, like you said, is like, Here's the midway of 2020. This screams September release. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> damn, Tom. But I'm going to see it. I love Tom. Yeah, I love Tom. But it is cool to see Tom Hanks in a World War II movie wearing the captain's helmet again. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 20 years later now. Yeah. yeah. Next up, James Wan is reportedly working on a new monster movie for Universal and Blumhouse. Yes. Word on the grapevine is he's likely doing a Frankenstein adaptation following the success of The Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Here's hoping he gets Doug Jones to finally do Frankenstein. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. That'll be sweet. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. And finally, the massive Austin, Texas movie and music festival South by Southwest has officially been canceled by the city due to concerns over the coronavirus outbreak. Austin's economy is going to lose millions. It's going to fuck this city up. To, to, to bring up movies again. Oh, man. South by Southwest is... Brutally, brutally important for some filmmakers. Yeah. And these festivals that happen early in the year, um, Sundance and Southwest Southwest is a part of that slew of festivals. This is how movies get funded. Yes. This is how people who have money watch these movies and they're like, yeah, I think we can do something with that. I think we can enhance that movie. I think we can edit it to be a little bit. I think we can make a poster. We can make a trailer. I'll, I'll give them uh, some budget. I'll give them some money to roll this thing out. Man, South by Southwest shows like hundreds of movies. And to think that none of those now have a platform to show people this is my product. The ramifications to this are going to... Fuck, man. Oh, man. I mean, and it's like, it's like right around the corner too, you know? It's like it just... 
There's people, people and, and yeah. South by Southwest, like you said, mil, like that's not an understatement. They're going to lose millions of dollars. Yes. The city of Austin is, quite frankly, could be under some, you know, on, this could be very bad. Yeah. Because this and ACL are the two biggest things that happen in that city every year. And this one, honestly, ACL is huge, I know. But people don't quite realize what South by is. It entails everything, not just music. A lot of movie stuff going on at South by Southwest. Well, it's, just, it's just fucking devastating. Because it's like right around the corner, a lot of people are already in town yeah. for this. And they're not from here. No. They're from all over the world. And the city can't afford to pay off, to pay, like, you know, reimburse these people. No. They can't afford the insurance. No. So, so many people are going to get fucked by this. Well, it's just, it's just a, yeah, horrible situation. Like, if I had, I, I've been to South by three times. I went 13, 14, and 15. Changed my life. I was blown away by how much content I could just take in for a very little amount of money. It was amazing. Uh, I never got to see any movies because that's a little bit more exclusive. I figured. And that's the first week of it and the second week's the music and I always went for the music. But, <laughs> man, I just can't stress enough. There's some filmmakers who now are going to like lose out on their dream because of that. Um, I, I know like people are traveling from all over the world and that's like a part of the, the reason they canceled it is you've got all kinds of stuff coming into Austin, Texas. And you're like, ah, what can we do to halt that? It's just, it's, it's just, it's hard to swallow. It's hard to swallow for, for, for those artists, for those young filmmakers who are trying to fucking get their foot in the door and make some money, you know? Yeah. That's what sucks. Cause I know you and I are like, are in that, like, I want to make a movie one day. If that happened to me, I'd be, I'd be beat. I'd yeah. Be devastated. I'd be like, well, what's the point, man? If I can't, you know, share my, share my thing at this thing that I already, like booked, you know, <laughs> it would just be devastating. I just put myself in those people's shoes and it's like, man, fuck, what do they do to deserve that? You know, nothing. It's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's, you know, it's changing things. Yeah. What precedent does this set? What else is going to get canceled because of this goddamn virus? I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to see what happens this year. Dude, this year has started off fucking terrible. Fucking weird. Yeah. We almost got into a world war. Thank we got God a, Parasite won. We got, we got a pandemic on our hands. Like, I'm waiting for the fucking skies to open. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that is all for this week, folks. Next week is another Weird Shit Wednesday, where Austin and I will discuss the tragic life and career of silver screen legend Judy Garland. After exploding to superstardom with The Wizard of Oz, Garland went on to suffer tragedy in her life while at the same time portraying a happy-go-lucky young woman on the big screen. We will look into four of her most celebrated performances, as well as the biopic made on her life from last year, to shine a light on Judy Garland and her impact on classic Hollywood. Until then, don't stage any phony auditions to pick up women, and if you do, make sure you do a background check on the one you fall in love with. Yeah. It may just cost you an arm and a leg, among other things. Mm -hmm.